0: Hello, welcome to episode 68 of the podcast, for two consoles too late, I'm the host, Jackson Keebler, and this week we have a conversation with video game collector and podcaster, Johnny Ayuchi from the Collector's Quest podcast, also an article about Metroid and Auction Alert, it's going to be a lot of fun, let's get started! Alright, this week on the podcast is my first interview here at Two Consoles Too Late. It is with Johnny Ayuchi from the Collector's Quest podcast. I'm a big fan of Johnny's podcast, The Collector's Quest. Even if you're not a video game collector, it's good edutainment, as it were. Uh, It's a great dynamic between three guys, and Johnny's one of them. When I first got into retro gaming and game collecting, I was, and still am, a total noob. Especially with things like three screw versus five screw Nintendo games. And this podcast really kind of breaks stuff like that down, and explains it very succinctly. And does it in a very entertaining fashion. On his latest podcast, uh, Johnny was saying how he killed podcasts, which I thought was kind of funny. So I reached out to Johnny to see if he wanted to have a conversation here at my podcast at Two Consoles Too Late, and he agreed. Now this isn't hard-hidden video game journalism or anything, it's just a conversation between two guys with a common interest. So here it is, my conversation with Johnny Ayuchi from the Collector's Quest podcast.
1: Let me just say, so for people who don't know me, because well, we didn't do an introduction, I'm Johnny Ayuchi, and I'm of the Collector's Quest podcast, uh, which is a show about collecting video games. And that that's my primary hobby. I've got a lot of hobbies, but that's the thing I do the most, and I've done the longest. And we're a, a long-running show. We just hit 200 episodes.
0: I just, I'm just i really curious about this, how you kill. I was listening to the latest uh, Collector's Quest podcast, and I was curious about... You know, you said you kill podcasts
1: and I really just wanted to know more about that. Oh, I mean, I I don't it's just been unfortunate timing. I think they were on their way out anyways and uh I just happened to come on and be the last show or uh, in one case like the second to last show. Okay. But, you know, I just uh so hopefully I don't kill your podcast.
0: Well, no, I'm kind of curious. How, it's kind of like a test. Like, can you kill my podcast? I mean, if uh, anything, you can bring it to life.
1: <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there's one long. The first podcast I was on that was not my own guest is still long running. And I think that's Polly Kill, if you know who they are. They're, and they're still No.
0: Running, so. no I, I, I haven't one.
1: murdered all of them, Okay. Uh, but almost all of them.
0: Okay. Any others that you
1: can mention? Uh, well, there was Dollar Dorks. Dollar um, Dorks. I like the name. Yeah. Dollar Dorks and um, oh god Nark and uh, The Hunt with Dan
0: yeah I don't know those but they're all you know, are they all like collecting podcasts or
1: yeah they're all video game uh, collecting podcasts or yeah, either directly video game collecting or like just video game in general but okay. mostly uh, mostly geared towards collecting
0: okay cool um do you listen to like any other podcasts i mean other than like video games or
1: i i don't um not not for video game stuff i listen to podcasts i listen to a few but i don't listen to game podcasts and i don't listen to much in the way of uh collectors podcasts in general i try to because i focus so much of my energy on it when i'm doing something that's not that I, I, I want to relax from it so oh yeah uh, I listen to a lot of audiobooks but I do have some podcasts like there's a few um like there's one for like Harry Potter book collecting that I listen to because my friends do it but mainly like I said I it's like entertainment I listen to uh yeah not not much even in podcasts like I listen to a show called Fly on the Wall which is a Dana Carvey and David Spade podcast because I like SNL and it's uh, SNL based and you know that that's very much of my time uh you know with that uh, SNL like you know when you're a young person watching it that that's like your yeah. group of people so yeah that that was like my my era
0: well i think we're about i think we're about the same age i'm 42
1: okay yeah i'm 43 so yeah, yeah okay same. so
0: we're really close yeah yeah i was talking with a coworker yesterday i was telling him about the ladies man he's a he's a little bit younger than me and he didn't he didn't know what the ladies man was
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was yeah.
0: like, you have to see this. I mean, at least look at the skits. The movie, was hilarious.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I ever saw that. I mean, I know I saw several of the skits, but I don't know if I saw the movie. The SNL oh. movies were always, like, really hit or miss, and they, you know, yeah. they just pushed them out there to, to live on in DVD. They didn't really, like, the box oh, yeah. office didn't matter as much as how much they were going to do on video and, and rental.
0: Yeah, that one, and um, my brother and I, we love McGruber. <laughs>
1: So I was never into MacGruber, uh, and for some reason, uh, I, Will Forte, uh, yeah, Will Forte just doesn't, he doesn't strike a chord with me at all. I find him not funny, not that he isn't funny, but for whatever reason, to me, he's never connecting with me, so I, okay like his SNL stuff, and like, uh, Last Man on Earth, I think was the show he was on, and yeah. a couple other ones, and I just like, Will Forte, for whatever whatever that reason is just doesn't he doesn't do it for me and i i'm like i don't enjoy vehicles surrounding him and i tried i've tried multiple times and like i said it's not that he's like unfunny or like i dislike him for some reason i just he doesn't connect with me
0: yeah i started watching that show uh the last man on earth and it was it was okay um but then it just it was just kind of stupid and i just kind of gave up on it.
1: Uh, it it kind of devolved pretty quickly and i, I really like christian Shaw. Uh, who's who's the girl on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, the first girl on it, I should say. Um, yeah, she's on Bob's yeah. Burgers, too. Yeah, and... She's in a uh, bunch Gra- of stuff. Yeah, and Gravity Falls. Uh, she mm-hmm. does a bunch of stuff, yeah. Yeah. And um, she's right. in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. That's the other show I like.
0: Oh, I started watching that, too. Um, the British guy, I forget his name, he's in um, the show called uh, The IT Crowd.
1: Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If you've ever seen that that's hilarious. And that's,
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen the IT has Been a while. It's an old I think show. It,
0: I think it's still on Netflix. Um, but as far as games go, like do you actively collect or
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I have over 10,000 games. I I just haven't done a count recently. It's probably more like 11 or 12,000 now. It's like within that range. So, yeah. I mean, I Every year, we we do this on the podcast, we we check at the end of the year to see if we averaged one game a day. Um, Wow. (laughs) And the answer is, there's never been a year I haven't. And this year has been kind of slow. Last year, I barely made it. And this year, I think I'm ahead of last year's pace. Okay. And we we still have a few months left. I mean, I could go cold and um, not buy anything. Seems unlikely. Probably will still get there. I mean, if you think about the numbers, if you think about what twelve thousand games mean, I've been collecting since two thousand four. So, how many games must you buy a year to get to twelve thousand games? The answer is a lot. You yeah. Know, I mean, we can do the math, but yeah, it, it, it's quite a bit. I mean, if it, if you just over ten years, right? It's three. It's only three thousand six hundred fifty, right? So, uh, and then you know divide that by two and you got like my, my 15 year, 15 year stance. And we're still not there, you know? So uh, a lot of years I would average two games a year. So yeah, it, it's quite a bit.
0: All right. Um, cause I, uh, I think it was the last episode of the podcast. Uh, I think you started talking about being a Wii collector and you went to like, was it Portland or something? You picked up a whole lot of Wii games and I yeah. Just, um, I recently I don't know why I'm not collecting the way I was considering collecting the way but it's got so many I don't know like weird titles like Wii Fit Wii Plus and like if I started collecting the way I was you know I wouldn't know where to start I mean like I I'm, right now I just have like Zelda
1: and Metroid and that's it well I mean those are two good ones to have um, so but yes as you were saying Yeah, I did uh, say I was collecting the Wii, and I've been collecting the Wii for for a long time. I mean, I had the Wii when it came out during its inception, so I picked up games, uh, you know, at a natural rate, as you do when you're just playing games, you're buying just to play. But then collecting, as the Wii started to die and get shipped out of GameStop, I went pretty hard at it, got pretty close. I was in a small group of people who were dedicated to getting the list right for, like, what what the set looks like, because that's what I do. I collect sets. Um, I don't recommend that for anybody. Uh, It's a bad way to collect, but I'm a dummy. So do as I say, not as I do kind of a thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so me and this group, we went hard. We made the list and then it got. uh, we had a friend who published an article on it. It got very popular and all all Wii game prices went up quite a bit, very drastically a couple of years ago, about five years ago, four years ago. Uh, Yeah, probably five now. And uh, then I, I kind of just stopped for a while because I was not convinced that people really care about the Wii. Um, let it cool off. And now I've come back to it. I was when I, I've been picking up games here and there, like one or two, I think like five or six years, what was happening during this span. So I was like dinking and dunking at it. I was at like 200 when I stopped. And then I was down to a little over 100 when I decided to kind of come back. I've had a couple iterations of like, oh, I'll pick up like 20 games and then. See if I'm going to do it. But this this is bona fide. I picked up about 40 games now. And now I'm just under 50 left of the set, which is, you know. It, it, I mean, I have a lot of ancillary stuff, too, like variants and big box games. If, so, like, a game, like, if you have two versions of the game, one came with a uh, fishing controller and one is just the game itself. And, I, like, for some reason, I'll I'll buy both. Uh, not for some reason, because I'm a dummy. And I, I like variants. And I like I like odd boxes and stuff. So, um, yeah, I've got over thirteen hundred Wii games. Should be finished this year because um, I'm doing about ten a month right now. Was I figured I'd do ten a month till the end of the year and and call it good on the set.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, like I I just kind of I source most of my games from like shop Goodwill and I just come across stuff that I have no idea what this stuff is and I start doing research and like I came across it. It looks like um, the ship from Star Fox, and apparently it's like a controller or something. Oh no, that's the uh, Switch.
1: Yeah, that's that's the Switch. That's um, uh, what's that called? I mean, they they released it's a bunch Star of different Fire toys or
0: something like that.
1: Something like that, or Star I can't remember the exact name, but it it had different little ships you could buy to add add to it. It was in it was in the market for a little while, didn't do well, and then got bounced to the clearance.
0: Okay, yeah, because I just keep seeing it. I'm like, what is this thing? I mean, I, I recognized it from Star Fox, and I don't yeah. know why I thought that was weird. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't Switch. actually
1: a Star Fox game. It was like a, a weird collab with Star Fox. And, and you asked about collecting Wii, um, and, like, if you should. There's a lot of good stuff for Wii. Like, You know, the good stuff for Wii is really good. Um, and you mentioned, like, all the oh, Wii Sports and Wii Play. Those are actually those are first party Nintendo games. So those are games that like you can hardly miss with. If it's first party Nintendo, then you know, I, I always put my seal of approval on anything first party Nintendo. Even if it's Wii Music, which is not a great game, but people even if they don't collect all the other stuff, they'll like collect first party Nintendo stuff. So it's really easy to pick that kind of stuff. So if you're looking, if it's published by Nintendo, then yeah and there are i mean and there's plenty of good lists on like what are the most collectible games but there's a lot of trash collectibles on the game too like you don't care about cyber bike uh <laughs> or cyber you know which is like a, a an exercise game which is one of the most expensive games on the system which you don't want to buy it's very collectible but i uh, not very collectible it's like a 300 game though but it's terrible yes. and you'll never play it meanwhile the Wii has a lot of great games you can get like Zack and Wiki, you can get Smash Brothers, your, Mel- your Zeldas, Metroids and Marios and have a really good Wii collection a really tight, you know you have like about a hundred games have an impressive looking Wii collection and it be all killer, no filler which is the best way to go especially with a system like Wii which just has a horrendous amount of shovelware.
0: Yeah um, where, do you, like, where do you source your games?
1: so it, it really depends uh, so I, I, I like to shop at conventions when I'm able to go to them so if you if you don't know there are like various video game conventions yeah uh, in the LA area we have like a lot of little trade shows and people do them so obviously before the pandemic I was going to a lot of those and I've got a lot of friends there so you know I, I'd go do that and then eBay and then it depends on the life cycle of the system too so something like the Wii which was going out, I was going to GameStop and I was picking up a lot of their stuff in in their bargain sales because it was really easy to grab. Though GameStop is probably the worst place to buy a video game that's used because (laughs) especially when they take the discs out of the cases and the manuals and stuff out of the cases and then they package it back in later, that just means you're going to get mismarried parts because there's so many print and revisions. You won't know if you have... like Some discs on the Wii are black and white and some are color and they go with a certain box depending on their print run. So you, you could get a mishmash there. And I did on a lot and it, so not great, but that's where I was getting a lot of the Wii games. And that's what I did at the Portland retro gaming expo. Uh, about five years ago. That was when I went hard. I about like 400 Wii games in one lot. I, the weekend was ending. The show was over. So I went to all the booths that had Wii games and just made them like, Hey, do you want to take this st- stuff home? Or do you want to take a, uh, my offer on just taking all your stuff. And most people were into it and you know I boxed them up and 400, but if, like now that I'm at like 12,000 games, I'm not, and I'm not really going hard at too many sets anymore. I'm really pretty choosy about the games I buy. I'm okay. like targeting a certain thing or I get an idea for something that I want to buy, like a type of game. Oh, I want uh you know, I want like a vampire game or something for Halloween. I want to do something like that. So really it becomes researching where it is and then eBay is pretty much your only source. There's not like too much. And for new collectors, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah, I know you're Shop Goodwill, which is like a, a weird place. You can like, stuff either goes for nothing there or it goes incredibly high and I'm not sure what the divide is there because I don't spend enough time on that site. But um, um, go, I've been on there. there. F-
0: yeah, I've been on there for like, I'd say like, I originally I found Shop Goodwill, I started collecting cameras. And that's how I found it. And then I stopped collecting cameras. And then I started, you know, during the pandemic, I just started getting into like retro games and I just started looking there. And um, it's, I mean, the prices are comparable with eBay. But um, my only, I would say, uh, beef with them is like the shipping is really, it just seems very exorbitant. Like, um, what was I looking at? I was looking at something today. It was, oh, here it is. It was a, it's a memory card for the GameCube, just one simple memory card and shipping and handling is $13. And I and that's just thought that, insane. that that's totally insane. And it's like, they, they've gotta be gouging people on shipping. I mean, uh, there's no way shipping costs that much.
1: No, I mean, they're probably just, so they probably just have such a, a machine there. It's just, they aren't considering individual items. It's all, this is what the shipping is. Like, here are our rates apply it in mass without any critical thinking on the item or like what the weights are. I mean, you would think it would be categorized by like what weights are, but, um, it, it probably goes by some category idea, but the idea that they got to $14 somehow or 1399 is pretty crazy for a memory card. Like even if you had to go ship it the expensive way, let's say priority mail in, in a small prior. I mean, it's still only like seven bucks. So, how exactly. how they get to double that? I, I'm unsure.
0: Yeah, so every time I'm, I'm interested in an item, I always be sure now to to check the shipping because sometimes the shipping is like more than the item, and it, I mean depending yeah. on what you're getting. So anyway, um, but one of like um uh, one of my sources I wouldn't call it a source, but uh, so Goodwill has the shop Goodwill site, and then they have a site for books, but they also sell video games and strategy guides. It's a goodwillbooks.com. And their prices, like, it's not an auction. They're just straight up, like, okay, you know, uh, like Twilight Princess for the GameCube. All right, we have a copy for the GameCube. We'll just sell it. We'll ship it for free, but it's $110. um, But a lot of times, I mean, they'll have titles, and if you're willing to pay fair market price, they have those. So sometimes they'll check that out. But it's really good if you like like strategy guides. um, They always have a lot of strategy guides.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've never been to that site. I had no idea that they had their own book site. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. If you ever have a chance to check it out. Um, but you know, I don't want to, maybe I'm going to, (laughs) this question is sort of a podcast killer. What, how do you feel about physical media? I mean, do you think, I mean, digital versus analog, you know, is physical media dying or what do you think?
1: Okay. So, I mean, I've got like a weird perspective, uh, on physical media as someone who collects physical media, people think that I must be enamored with, with physical media. They're like, Oh, you must love everything physical and want nothing digital. And that's entirely incorrect. I want physical media to die forever and be done because that frees me from the obsession that like, okay, we did it. This is it. There's a clear end. It's over. And I like to play games. It's not that I don't. And when I buy a new game, like I'm always torn between whether I want to buy it physically or digitally. I love the jukebox approach. I love having all my stuff, not having to go, get up and switch between a title, just be able to like, oh, see what my games are and then go play it without having to like go find the disc, make sure it's in its case, not get down. like I don't want to manage that. So like I a want lot, a lot of new games. I what I'll do if it's something I want to play immediately, I'll buy it digitally first, so so I can download it, and then when it like inevitably gets to the ten dollar sale, this primarily if, primarily if it's on PlayStation or Xbox, when it, you know it eventually gets to that ten dollar point, then I'll yeah. go pick up a physical copy if I really like it. Um, do I think physical media is dying? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's true. Um, I, I mean, I think that's there's always going to be some group of people that will want physical media, and there will always be. Some amount of catering to that, whether it's companies like limited run games or um, you know other boutique shops that will even take it a, a, a digital product and and make it physical for the people who want that. So will it be dead dead? Not for a while, but is it is it recessing? Yeah, I think it is. and I, I think as you know we age out of, of the ecosystem, right? kids don't care about physical media they no, stopped no. caring i mean think about how kids feel like if you know any kids or if you have any kids like yeah. think about how they feel about music do they give a shit about owning a cd they they definitely don't want to own it they just want it like they don't even want full albums anymore they just want the song that they like and that's it you know or now it's just like spotify or whatever so we're, yeah, we're I- beyond that
0: Yeah. I took my son, uh, he'll be seven next week, but um, sometimes I take him to the yard sales and flea markets and we went to this one flea market and this guy was selling like like CDs, but it was like all these titles that I had growing up. I mean like new wave, eighties, early nineties stuff. And I was so tempted, you know, just to buy up all these old CDs and listen to them again. But then I was thinking, you know, like, Hey, I, you know, I really, other than a DVD player, I don't think I have any, my, my computer doesn't even have, you know, a CD-ROM. My car doesn't have a CD-ROM. It's, you know, and where am I going to keep these things? And when I did have CDs, I never took good care of them, and they always ended up scratched. Um, But, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty it's like, I, I... I myself would rather go wait you know towards digital i don't want more stuff lying around my house you know because then when you move you have to move all this stuff and that's where i am but i mean but i go the other way you know like if if there's a movie out there that i really like i want a copy of it you know i want it in my hand and um i just recently got into zelda and that's the way i've been with zelda is that you know i love playing i'm starting to love to play these games and i want the i want the copy in my hand so i it gives it, like, a sense of occasion. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, you know, there's something about connecting the memory to a physical item. And then uh, because the physical item allows you to then revisit that memory uh, as a prompt. So the the physical item exists as a prompt for the memory. And, mm-hmm. and that's what, you know, that's what, like, most video game collectors start out has. it's just like oh these are all just little piles of nostalgia you know that i'm putting on self i how do i stack my nostalgia in a in a neat and organized fashion and I, <laughs> I pick it up and then i look at it and i was like oh i remember this thing about this game or I, like maybe it was just playing it maybe it was an experience with friends maybe it was an experience with a family member a mom or dad or you know a brother you know all of these things exist so yeah, especially for games that are special to you, it makes sense to own physical. I mean, there's also an argument for movies that streaming movies, you still don't get, if you have a high quality cinema system, streaming won't get you the best video fidelity or audio fidelity. So like still a physical desk may make sense. Again, convenience wise, most people won't ever notice and their system is not equipped to, To uh, explore those differences, so it doesn't really matter. Like I've got like a pretty nice setup, and I'm still mostly digital, and 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 happy happy that it's digital. There's there's very few things like movie wise I want to own physically. Like you said though, the moving and the keeping of the stuff. My wife collects books, and I collect games, and the thought of moving (laughs) is an agonizing and horrible thought. Uh, you know, and we've been we've been in our house for over a decade and the minute you have lived any place for like 10 years and the amount of stuff you've acquired in that time, uh, especially when you are me and you collect a bunch of games, the prospects are rough. You just like, yeah, our lives would be simpler if I did not care about physical items. Uh, however, I, you can go to the other side of the coin though. When you talk about, Oh, I mean, you can put on your tinfoil hat for a second. Uh, you talk about, Oh, well, companies don't want you to own physical objects. Of course they want you to have rental services and streaming because you never own it and then you're always beholden to them. And then you have no liquidity and then you're always if you want to enjoy something for the rest of your life you're paying them forever rather than you just own these things and then you can go access them. So Yeah, that's uh, a good point. I I mean just depends on on how you think about that. So like there there's a lot of people who are very much against the digital spectrum just because they feel like this is some sort of, uh, you know, grasp by by big corporations to essentially indenture people. I know this is not the scope of the podcast, or like, you know, like, is this guy a weird conspiracy theorist? I get. I'm not. I'm just telling you, like, how, what the realm of some people's beliefs are. And there is some point to, like, yeah, companies definitely don't want you to have physical goods. It's better for their bottom line if you are always paying them. Do I think it's like? This massive conspiracy to to indenture uh, all the people of of Earth? No, no, I don't. Uh, but there there are some people who are off that ledge, so you just yeah. gotta be careful when you get to that point of view. How far they go?
0: Yeah, um, like I've recently been considering cutting the cord on cable just because I don't really watch TV that much. But I've actually you know made digital purchases and. Every time I think about cutting the cord, I'm thinking, you know, oh, if I do that, then I'm going to lose. You know, I've only bought like, I think maybe like five or six titles, but there's a weird anxiety there that, oh, my God, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to be able to watch these movies and they're not great movies. It's like the third Hobbit movie. um, I forget. I mean, they they were I don't know why I bought them in the first place, but there is that level of like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this if I cut the cord on cable but at the same time, it's like, wait a minute, you're going to be saving like $200 a month. You could just go buy a copy of it. Yeah. really want it.
1: No, absolutely. So I, I cut the cord on cable, um, just this year and I I go back and forth. So, I mean, I, I'd been doing some maintenance we'll, we'll call it pruning. Uh, I like sports and, uh, specifically I like basketball and basketball has a, a horrible contract, uh, horrible from my perspective. Um, Uh, as as a consumer with, with TVs, they've got these built in TV deals where if you want to watch your show, you have to be in their market and you have to be subscribed to a local cable company to get it and watch the basketball you want. Even if you got the NFL, uh, NBA pass, if you're in that local market, you can't watch your team. And I live in the market that my team is in. So I can't enjoy them without having local cable. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of cable companies at all. Uh, I, and if you do the math on it, if like most of the time your internet is tied up into that cost too. So, I mean, once you like look at what your spend is on the internet and then you think about what do you actually watch? What do you actually enjoy on cable? How are you using it? What can you do? And that, that's what my wife and I did. We said, okay, well, my wife likes discovery and they have an app that's like $6 a month. Okay. So $6. Okay. That's a lot cheaper than our cable. She mainly watches like DIY and home shows and some cooking shows. Right, uh, and, and I enjoy those with her because we are basic, we we basic people. Uh, so that this is what we like. But then we say, okay, well, we also like these ten shows. Like we we if we like Survivor, if we like Top Chef, how do we watch those? Uh, how do I like uh, my Marvel shows? Okay, like or Star Wars. Okay, so we'll get Disney Plus. There's like another seven dollars, and then the other shows, like say Top Chef. It's like okay, well, that only comes out once a year and it's twenty bucks. So I'm just going to spend that $20 for the season. Now I've got the whole season and now how much of that is one cable bill. So I I basically look at the cable bill throughout the year after I deduct my $12 a month from it and say, I've got like a 50 to $70 spend limit per month on a show that I want to watch. And I, once you factor that in, like in the beginning, it sucks because you don't have as much, but after a year, then you've pretty much got all of your shows mapped out and plenty of things to watch. So it's like some combination of like a, one or two streaming services, and then uh, you know being able to just to buy your shows digitally and and not being a prisoner of cable because cable is pretty garbagey and I I hate them, I hate cable yeah. companies.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm kind of running out of time, but um, sure. do you just want to go ahead and uh, you know, just kind of give us some plugs for the Collectors Quest?
1: Sure. I mean, I did a little bit. Like I said, we're a show about collecting. Video games, if that's your thing, we, we cater to new hobbyists and, and, uh, expert collectors alike. and, uh, th- I mean, that's what we do. We, we are, we're a long show. We, we talk a lot. So we, we put ourselves in the edutainment range. So we try to be entertaining, but also educate people. And that's, uh, the collector's quest podcast. And you can find us on any place that, uh, your podcast streams.
0: Cool. And uh, lastly, um, what's your holy grail in collecting? Mine right now is the Battle for Olympus for the Game
1: Boy. Okay, that's a good one. That that's that. God, man, it's that, so that Game Boy. Game Boy titles get expensive. I don't know if I have Battle for Olympus, but that one's on my list uh, as one I, I want in a nice box. For me, I don't really have uh, a grail anymore for video games. Like, if I had to put it, it would be like uh, the like the campus goal the campus challenge cart for the super nintendo which like one or two exist it's like a r- weird competition cart that that would be like it um most most of the things that i really have i want and i don't want like weird things i don't want like sp- stadium events or anything that's like super expensive um so yeah like my grails are are like weird variants and like halloween games you know so okay i I don't have like a that one that just I'm searching for.
0: Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, well, thanks for talking.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate your time.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye bye. All right. See ya. All right. So the end was a little perfunctory, but there you go, Johnny Ayuchi from the Collector's Quest podcast, and you can check that out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I get it on Apple Podcasts, but they're on Spotify and much more. But once again, thank you and namaste to Johnny Aichi for being on the podcast. So I came across this article on GameSpot that uh, the Spider contributor Grace Benfell wrote about Metroid. And it got me, once again, nostalgic for Metroid. I usually do a playthrough of Metroid at least once or twice a year. The original NES Metroid, you know, just to go back to my roots. All this Zelda. I need to get away and uh, get back to the old Metroids. But um, it was a pretty interesting article. Metroid established a framework the franchise has never properly explored. On the anniversary of the original Metroid's U.S. release, we remember what made the original unique, rather than a mere awkward prototype for S- Super Metroid. There's a lot of little snippets. I I love reading these articles about Metroid from people that clearly just never really played Metroid. Uh, You can just tell from the way they write these articles, like, you know, this is what I learned from whatever. So, here we go. While Metroid is without plot except in the bearish gestures, it does have an arc. As Samus descends deeper into the planet Zebes, the more metallic and cold the environment becomes, until she reaches its source. The horrific prison of flesh and metal that is Mother Brain. I'm gonna, you know, sort of, you know, pick that little bit apart, um, I think the part that Benfell is talking about here, uh, deeper, it, uh, becomes more metallic and cold, uh, deeper. Um, Turian's actually not that deep in the planet Zebes if you look at a map of Zebes, I'm looking at one right now in my kitchen. And Zebes, or sorry, and Turian is actually pretty close to the surface of the planet Zebes. So there you go, uh, Mr. Benfell, uh, you need to get your facts right, okay? And here's another quote from the article I just love because it's so true. It can come across as unfair, even cruel, and it's without the more contemporary affordances of a map and plainly stated objectives. That bareness, though, is a strength, making its hostile alien world more difficult to comprehend. While new abilities increase survivability, the world never really becomes safe in the way it can in later entries. Uh, yeah, Metroid is definitely unfair and cruel, okay, you start with, what, 30 energy, and after you take, what, two or three hits, you're dead? Like, in the first five minutes of the game, you just have to start grinding for energy? Yeah. Um, But that was what was great about Metroid, but this article I'll put a link in the show notes drink and um, Check it out But the comments the comment section was I just love reading these articles But then I love reading the comments because people either are very nice or they're just really indignant. I Love these names. Okay freak servo another backhanded subject title to enforce maximum clickbaitness Well done. You had me clicking too Okay. L. Ranzer, Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Samus Returns modernize Metroids 1 and 2. They need proper remasters. Okay, someone is a huge Dread fan. Old School Playa, The Switch is the last Nintendo console I will ever buy. While I like it, I absolutely cannot stand Nintendo's business practices. Charging at least twice that for inferior versions of third-party games available for PS4 and Xbox, as well as locking classic games behind a subscription service. Okay. Paper Warrior 17. I hate to just say, quote, no, it's really not that good, end quote, but it's missing more than modern conveniences, and I've always found it unappealing compared to a number of the games on the same platform that are still extremely good by modern standards. Sounds like Paper Warrior 17 just never beat the game. But anyway, this article got me all nostalgic for Metroid, so now I have to go back and play the original Metroid. And, uh, I kind of want to go back and start playing Metroid Dread again, because I haven't, since I got my new Switch controller, blah blah blah. But if I do, you can check it out at twitch.com slash twoconsoles too late. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, yeah, so, um... Auction alert! Auction alert! All right, this week on auction alert, I can't make this shit up. Um, I did a a search on Shop Goodwill for just a, like a sealed game. And I came across a copy of Monopoly. But it's the Golden Girls edition, okay? And, uh, right now there is 21, 21 hours left on the auction. And there are eight bids, and it's up to $28. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I'm like, is this a joke? I looked this thing up on Amazon.com. Amazon. Like, I have to put the .com at the end of Amazon. Anyway, so a copy of this on Amazon is $39.99. And depending on whether you have Amazon Prime, I guess that depends on your shipping. Um... And it is... So what the hell? Um, the, the tokens are the best. The player's tokens are... Cheesecake, Stan's toupee, Rose's teddy bear Fernando, Sophia's purse, Blanche's hand mirror, and a candied heron. Now, I don't remember the show well enough to know what those are referencing. I remember the characters' names, but... Oh my gosh. So anyway, if you want a copy of Monopoly, the Golden Girls Edition, check out Shop Goodwill. All right, this has been the podcast for Two Consoles Too Late. I am the host, Jackson Keebler. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Johnny Iucci for being on the show. Stay tuned for further episodes and check me out on the interwebs. Uh, you can check me out in all sorts of places, but you can check me out at Patreon.com, throw me some shekels, and you can get some exclusive content, like the blooper reel, and get a shout-out on the show. But as always, have a good one, and stay tuned for a blooper. Bye! So I'm like trucking down, you know, like 68 West, and I got nothing to listen to, and uh, I turn on this podcast, and it's, it's this guy, like two consoles too late. He's talking about video games. I'm like, shit, I used to play them video games. He's talking about, like, shit like Metro and Zelda and shit. And I'm like, holy fuck. Man, this is, like, back to my youth. So, like, I listen to this shit, and it's, like, really fucking good. So, like, I went on the, on the you know, like, the interwebs, and I gave him some money, you know? Because
1: that's, that's some good shit right there. I mean, that's, that's fucking America. That's fucking America.